Hi there, and thanks for joining us. This episode was recorded just off the famous stage at the Cork Opera House during the Cubs Conference 2018. Hundreds of UCC students in the one place helping to plot out their future. So with the help of a dragon, a lecturer, a baker, a tech whiz and an Instagrammer, let's begin. Red Business Podcast with CompuB, building your business with premium Apple solutions. CompuB.com. And first up this week, we're going to speak to somebody who's been in the news for all the right reasons of late, having sold his company, AltaCloud. You probably know him best uh, from Dragon's Den, but Barry O'Sullivan, you're very welcome. Tell us why you're in the news. Yeah, just some very good news. We started our company four years ago, AltaCloud, uh, in the area of artificial intelligence, kind of hot tech area. Um, based in Galway mostly with a few people in California and we sold the business last week to a Silicon Valley company called Genesis uh, which is great news for the team that works so hard after the last four years to to get it to this point and a tremendous success for Ireland too as well I think because Genesis the company that's going to that's coming in is going to invest and put more jobs here and make Galway a big hub for artificial intelligence research. Let's go back to the start with Alto Cloud. Why did you decide this AI thing is the future. Uh, did you have a light bulb moment or uh, was it? were you just looking for areas to invest where you knew there was going to be growth? Yeah, I mean, we didn't start AltaCloud as an artificial intelligence company. We started to solve a problem, which was just making it easy for businesses to communicate well with their customers. So you never have that horrible experience of calling a call center and press one for this and press two for that. We want to fix that problem. And it turned out that artificial intelligence was the way to do it. So I think when you apply something like that to a real problem and make things easier and better, it's you've got a lot better shot at success. And you, you've had huge successes in reducing the interaction times, the, yeah. the, the getting the customers the answers they want more quickly. I mean, the numbers are pretty impressive when you're looking in from the outside. Yeah, we like, you know, we, we have online retailers, for example, who've reduced their shopping cart abandonment rates by 30%. That's huge. Um, I, we, I love the way that you make that sound like we're wandering through Duns and we just walk away yeah. from the trolley. But in the online world, that's yeah. a real thing. Isn't big it? Metric. You know, if some of your honest website, you put something in your shopping cart and then you, for whatever reason, you decide not to push the buy button. Uh, so our software makes you more likely to push the buy button, which is huge for retailers. And how does the AI work? Because I, I think we all grew up, artificial intelligence was going to be robots wandering around yeah. the streets, Terminator style. But mm. it, it's it's a lot more boring than that, but a lot more effective yeah, as well. I mean, it basically learns, the software learns. Uh, so it watches the behavior of millions and millions of customers on millions and millions of journeys. And basically then when you come onto the, cost, the website or you call the call center, we kind of know what you want and we kind of know what the best way to serve you is because we've learned from all those other journeys. Uh, so the software just gets smarter and smarter, it gets better and better, and then it helps you get done what you need to get done and it helps the business get done what they need to get done. So, How is this going to progress from here, do you think, Barry? Because we, we've at, we're at the point now where, as you say, it's reducing the length of time for mm. those interactions. It's making people more prone to buy you know, are the opportunities exponential here? Do you think there's going to be a ceiling at some point whereby artificial intelligence can't replace the good old-fashioned interaction with a human being? Well, I think, look, there's some things that artificial intelligence is good at, like repetitive uh, common journeys and so on. It wouldn't be good at tidying up your house, you know, an unstructured job like that. 
Um, so there'll be lots of things it's not able to do. Look, artificial intelligence is going to add lots of jobs. Um, I think the estimate is by 2020 it's going to add more than 2.3 million jobs globally. But there's going to be 1.8 million jobs that are lost. Jobs like if you're a truck driver, probably trucks are going to be autonomous and driving themselves around in the future. So, uh, you know, I think what we need to make sure we do is to help people keep their skills up so they can adapt to these new jobs and, and people don't get left behind. It's the akin to a revolution of some kind. I mean, we, we obviously hark back to the Industrial yeah. Revolution. We had the, the Internet Revolution, which would have changed things more recently. But are we on the verge of an AI revolution, whereby a lot of the tasks that are done now are going to be overtaken, like they would have done in previous revolutions, whereby people found themselves with no longer the jobs that they had before? We're in... It started. The revolution has started. And if you are not feeling it yet, you're going to feel it. I think for the graduates uh, coming out of college today, I think they'll have a huge task ahead of them to keep their skills current, and I think each one of them will have to work hard at that. Now, if you do that, I think you'll be able to adapt, but um, I think there's an onus on tech companies and government and society in general to make sure people don't get left behind, because I think if you think about globalization and the revolution that caused, it was great in the aggregate because a billion people globally got lifted out of poverty. But a lot of people got left behind in the American middle classes, in the European middle classes. And that's caused a lot of the political disruption that we have today. So we can't let the same thing happen with artificial intelligence. But AI can be disruptive as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's look at what happened in elections whereby bots yeah. were created. They were artificial intelligence. They arguably interrupted and interfered with the yeah. democratic process involving the humans. Can we regulate this? Do we need to regulate this? Well, Elon Musk thinks artificial intelligence is more of a threat to the world than North Korea. Um, and that's kind of a pessimistic view of it, I think. Um, I'm not sure how regulation can help, um, because what we really are saying is you're going to ask some civil servants to come up with some regulations, regulations to regulate something that nobody really understands. I, I don't know how that would work. And in any case, the, the tech companies would find a way around it. I think... The important thing is that we fund research in artificial intelligence, and we're doing that in Ireland. The Science Foundation Ireland is funding a lot of research at the insight centres around the country, um, and that you know we keep ahead of it, and that we use it for good. But in, at the end of the day, it's like any technology. It can be used for good and used for evil, and it's really up to us to make sure that we use it in the right way. Be a good guy like Barry O'Sullivan. Don't be a bad guy like the ones that are out there, I'd imagine. You, you've you been speaking to the students here at Cork University Business School today. Um, when you look at that group of people, do you look back to Barry O'Sullivan in his early 20s when he would have been studying, wondering what this world holds for me? And, and what do you see when you see that group of young people? Well, look, Ireland is a very different place than it was when I graduated from UCC in the 80s. Um, I think... There's so much opportunity for young people now. Um, obviously, there's so much more pressure as well. But and when I came out of college in Cork, unemployment was 20%. Uh, it was dark days. Uh, there was a huge recession in Ireland. Um, I think Ireland now is so much more progressive socially, financially, job opportunities, I think it's the best time to be coming out of college and the future is bright. But you, you hear a lot of criticism of this generation that they're not willing to take risks or they're not willing to 
get out of their own way for some of the more critical voices out there mm. criticizing the snowflakes. Have you seen that? Do you see that in this group of young people? No, I, I see the opposite. Uh, I mean, we at our company, we have 20 people who are all in, mainly in their 20s, um, smart, hardworking, creative, friendly, nice, good kids. You know, and you, I think if you think about any group in the aggregate, it's dangerous. And if you generalize about a group in the aggregate, it's dangerous. Um, what, so what I try to do is think about the people I know, so that group. I think about my nephews and nieces, my own kids. They're not like that. They're the same as we were. They're, you know, good fun, good Be- crack. Better educated. Better educated, um, nice to their parents, you know, willing to work. I, I, don't, I don't buy that snowflake generation thing. It's, it's a myth. You obviously are one of the dragons. Dragon's Den. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that experience like? I mean, now you've come out of your own sale of your company, you know, are, are you going to keep, is it easier now to give out the advice or is it on to the next, the next adventure for Barry? Well, I've certainly learned a lot in the last four years um, and I probably, my advice is a little bit better qualified than it would have been before that. Um, I, uh, I had the opposite experience then of pitching for investment uh, in Silicon Valley and what, so on. What was that like? Given that you were the guy doing it. Yeah, the yeah. It's it's. I have a new appreciation for how how much bravery it takes to to do that pitch, and uh, I I also got a lot of experience of uh, rejection, which uh, you know I think um, it's very easy sitting in the dragon's chair to reject the investments, but it's harder when you're standing up there. Um, uh, what's next? I don't know. I'm my main priority at the moment is making the integration of AltCloud into Genesis successful. Um, making sure the investment by Genesis in Galway that we attract and recruit the right people. After that, um, one area I'm very interested in is healthcare in Ireland, and especially the ability of technology to help fix our healthcare crisis. Um, I think you know we spend the second highest in Europe per capita on healthcare, but yet we have a terrible service overall, despite lots of people working very hard and doing their best on the front line and and in administration. Uh, I think you know technology. Um, can help with that in terms of making the system more efficient, using technology to help patients and uh, medical professionals communicate with each other. Um, But we need to be creative and we need a strong government to take it on. We don't have a strong government today. On that political note, we leave it. Barry O'Sullivan, we wish you the very best luck and those who are in AltaCloud on the latest journey uh, for them. Thank you so much for talking to us on Red Business. Thanks, Jonathan. The Red Business Podcast with CompuB Business. Improving productivity with the latest Apple technology. CompuB.com. Now, next up on Red Business, we speak to the newly appointed dean of the Cork University Business School, and they are the ones who are running the Cubs Conference, what we are attending today and telling you about on Red Business. Thea Hennessy, how are you? I'm good, Jonathan. Thanks. It's all changed because I've, I've often told the story that when I went to University College Cork, there was very much an attitude of, we've educated you now, please leave us alone. Whereas now there's a much more hands-on approach in, in producing entrepreneurs and a more rounded business people. And, and Cubs is very much at the centre of that, isn't it? Yeah, so the theme of the conference today is the workplace of the future. And we've heard so much about how the workplace is changing, how jobs are becoming automated, how people will rely more on technology. And really, it's the rounded individuals, the people with strong soft skills, communication skills that will really prosper in the future. And that's something we're very aware of in the business school in UCC. Tell me about 
what Cubs involves? Because it's brought together a number of faculties under the one roof that have similar goals and themes, but up till now kind of operated independently. Yeah, so as the listeners will be aware, there's a long history of business education in UCC. We produced our first commerce graduate over 100 years ago, but the business school was just founded three years ago and it brings together accounting, finance, economics, business information systems, food business, management, marketing, long list. But we're all together now within one school. We're marketing ourselves as a school. We're applying for international accreditation. We've plans for a new building. So there's really a lot going on. And that new building is a cool building because that's the one uh, opposite City Hall, the old TSB, isn't it? So what's going to be located there? So we're, we actually have plans for two buildings. So at the moment, we're refurbishing the Cork Trustee Savings Bank on Laps Quay. And together with the Irish Management Institute, which is now part of UCC, it will be a centre for executive education. So it will be very much aimed towards people already established in their careers. What we're also planning for is a new campus, a new uh, building for our undergraduate students. So a building that will house about 4,000 students, about 250 staff. So it will be a significant investment for the university. And is that going to be somewhere near where UCC is now, kind of in the same general area? The plan is that it will be in the city centre. It'll be in walking distance of the main campus, but we're still looking for a site for that at the moment. We're talking about a building about the size of the Western Gateway, if listeners are familiar with that, so we do need a significant site. All reasonable offers considered. Uh, For anyone who's a bit of land between now and there. Look, what kind of individual are the universities turning out right now? What we hear a lot about, and I was talking to Barry O'Sullivan about this, that, you know, they get criticised as being snowflakes, that they're not risk-takers, that they're a little bit cosseted. But... Everyone I've spoken to today really pushes back on that, that mm. this is actually the best qualified generation and that, that there's nothing holding them back at all. And maybe that's why they're constantly criticised by those who went ahead of them. Mm. Yeah, I suppose millennials, as we call them, get a bit of a bad rap. But I think the research shows that people work longer hours and are more productive now than they ever were before. So it's not that we're talking about a lazy generation. And in fact, I wouldn't say that they don't take risks because what we see now is our graduates are increasingly attracted to startup companies, companies at the early stages where they feel they can really contribute to something new and developing compared to my own my own generation where we all wanted to work for the multinational companies where things were established. See, we we were always told um, that you had to have like a good job. Whereas now a lot of people are saying, well, I can make the money myself, so why would I... Why would I give any of it to anybody else? Absolutely. And that gets back to the discussion today about how the workforce is changing. We talk about the gig economy where people work by the hour, for the hour. They uh, rent out their services as such. And people talk about that often in the context of low skilled uh, work like deliveries and that kind of thing. But increasingly, a lot of professional services are going down that route. People are self-employed. They work for the companies they want to and for as long as they want You've got programmes like the Ignite programme that Eamon has been working really hard on. Uh, You've got a lot of the graduates coming through now who are staying with you as they develop their companies. Where does this go? What's the ultimate goal of Cubs uh, in producing that next generation? Are we looking for the next Nokia? Are we looking for the next Apple, all to be generated here in Cork? Well, I think if we had the next Apple or Nokia generated here in Cork, that would be a fantastic well, sure, story. We, ha- we have Apple already. They just didn't come up with the idea here. Yeah, <laughs> That's it, yeah. And uh, I think one, the most senior uh, woman in Apple in Cork is a graduate of ours. And so, uh, yeah, look, I think that there's a lot of focus on entrepreneurism at the moment and a lot of new product development on our panel today. We've heard from some young entrepreneurs that are recent graduates of ours, and it's fantastic that the university recognises that and puts the supports in place to facilitate those people. And we're going to talk to some of them now, but 
for this particular part of the podcast, I want to say thank you very much to Thea Hennessy, the Dean of Cork University Business School, newly appointed to the role. Here's to the next generation of Cork entrepreneurs. Thank you, Jonathan. The Red Business Podcast with CompUB. Apple technology and solutions for your business. CompUB.com. So amongst the speakers that people were really paying attention to today uh, at the Cubs business event uh, were a number of young entrepreneurs who are ploughing that furrow ahead of the next generation. And they're with me now. So I would like to welcome Michelle Donovan from Taps Talk, uh, Catherine Boggy from Boutique Bake, who really hit the button by bringing cake. The others have failed. And uh, James Kavanagh, who, of course, is a businessman, an influencer and a blogger, and he didn't bring cake. You're all very welcome to Red Business. Hello, how are you? It's good to have you all here. Uh, I am going to go to Catherine first of all because she brought cake. Catherine, tell us about your business and what it does. So we make cake. At uh, uh, yes, we've established but that. Yeah. We actually produce a range of baking mixes. So we've kind of done half the work for you. So it's we're selling the dry ingredients really to make delicious brownies, which are what I brought today. So you just need to add in like melted butter and eggs, mix it up together, pop the mix in the oven, and then you've created some delicious brownies. Baking for Egypt's really. Exactly. Or busy people or people that don't have the skills. So yeah, so for any, anyone really. And they're really high quality, all natural. So we don't use like any artificial flavorings or, you know, Nothing nasty in there, just re- re- real goodness. Okay, and now Michelle, I'll go to you. Uh, yours is kind of a, a techie, appy type thing. So tell me what the uh, what the product is. Uh, so basically what it is, is a shared mobile app that businesses can share and that everybody can download. So what we've created is essentially a, uh, turning your phone into a remote control for life itself. What I mean by that is our app can do anything from ordering a pizza, paying for parking, uh, entering a texting competition, or even controlling your lights or your gate or your neighbor's gate. And that's what we want to do. We want to bring all of the functionality that apps have into one place so that the buttons are there where people need them in their pocket when they need them. So it's basically making life a little bit easier for a generation who is used to using technology. Yeah, so in in terms of solving a problem for somebody, we may not be solving a massive problem, but we, I suppose like Tesco, we want every little helps. We want to take out the little bits of friction in your life that make it that, just that little bit annoying, I suppose. Okay, with, with a nod to Tesco for, for using their slogan to explain it. Um, James, you are a businessman, but people don't see you as a businessman because they see you mostly popping up on Snapchat or Instagram, but like you are you were running a business really aren't you yeah kind of I, I don't really know what I do I just do loads of <laughs> random things uh, but before I start I have to say I have to vouch for your cakes they're stunning I got the brownie mix in Fallon and Burn. so good yeah um, and are you a busy person or an Egypt uh, by the categories we re- referenced earlier on oh I'm both like very bi- bi- very busy very Egypty. Um but yeah I I started snapchatting I guess like two three years ago and from that I kind of built up a following that enabled me to kind of do what I do now and work with different brands and leave my job. I was in PR for about six years, but I started off uh, about two and a half years ago, a food business called Curabini with my boyfriend who's from Curabini in Cork. Okay. Are you familiar with it? Yes, yes. There's yeah. a lovely wood. The woods, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we kind of almost did accidental market research via Snapchat because we were Snapchatting, you know, he just finished the Ballymaloo cookery course. So we were cooking at home the whole time and then people were like, why don't you start a food blogger? sell your food at markets or whatever so we kind of got the confidence from the following we had to go and do that and we did it and it's going well and what, what's the product there in Curabini it's, it's just a food catering company at the moment so we cater events and we sell food at markets so it can be it's kind of all sorts of food but we're opening up a cafe in August which is going to be kind of um, local uh, nice lunchy type food 
yeah. Okay, so plenty of stuff there. And you yeah. did the markets as well for a long time, didn't yeah. you, Kat? Yeah, so they can be tough with our climate. So, yeah, lots of kind of rainy, windy days where you might have sold, you know, two mixes, but you kind of wanted to keep going and you knew you had something good. So, so yeah, but I mean, it's definitely a great place to kind of start and, and to test your idea out. We only did the indoor ones. Yeah. <laughs> That's key. Yeah. yeah. Don't get, suited me better. Yeah, you don't get wet at the indoor ones <laughs> as a rule. Um, now, the point is, I'm just looking at you all. You're all in your 20s, I'm going to guess, are you? Yeah, so you're all in your 20s. You are the young entrepreneurs who are breaking out. I mean, I'm going to put it to you, right, that if you went a generation above you, uh, and I'm putting myself in that bracket, it would have been a lot harder to break through. We probably, you, you, for example, Michelle, you would have worked for a company for 15 years, then had a midlife crisis, and then maybe did the app, whereas this way, you kind of got it out of the way early. Yeah, um, that's actually kind of why I love coming to student conferences, because they're so open to experiencing different things. Um, they haven't kind of worked in the workforce, so it's it's very kind of open and flexible way of looking at, well, where will I end up? Um as you say, I've never worked for a major company. I like, I suppose, a lot of people who are young entrepreneurs have never worked for a multinational, have never worked for uh, another company. So I don't actually know that way of life. But uh, there's a lot more support there now if you do want to do it. Um, like Enterprise Ireland, the local enterprise office, they're trying to make it as achievable as possible for young entrepreneurs to get involved and to do well out of it. Um, and they've been a massive support for us um, while we were starting up. Is it a case that maybe the older generation are a little bit jealous that this generation really doesn't have the inhibitions that would have held them back, James? That, you know, you want to go and do something, hell, we're going to give it a try. If it doesn't work, how bad? I don't know if it's jealousy. I think it's more just uh, people aren't are, are unsure of this world. And I think uh, education is key in terms of, you know, like I come across some parents that are terrified of their kids on apps and on Snapchat and they, they just take away their phones rather than just educating themselves and being aware of what their kids are doing. So I think it's more so fear of the unknown than jealousy. Um, and I know when I left my job, I was in PR, very stable job for about six years. My dad was like, what do you do leaving your job? You know, you got a monthly wage and all all this and he was terrified for me because it's not something he's used to and I think that's what the problem is rather than jealousy or anything. So we've a bunch of students here, about 500 of them in the room behind us who are listening uh, to the advice being dished out by the older generation. It's going to be your turn now in a little while and you're going to tell them how awesome it is. So what is the one single bit of advice that you would uh, give to somebody who's about to start on this journey? Uh, We'll begin with you Catherine. So I think if you, for me anyway, I studied HR, worked in HR for three years, but I just always loved food and I was always kind of... There's not a natural synergy there. I'm I'm, I'm going to just say it out loud. I know. So, but I just, you know, it was, I suppose it was a hobby. It was something I was passionate about, but I think I thought I've studied human resources this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be hiring and firing people. That's just my life forever. In my early 20s, you know, I just thought that was it. So what I would say is, you know, if you do want to do something different that, you know, maybe you haven't studied it or it isn't your background, like you can, you know, I think maybe that's what's different about our generation is that, you know, people move around a lot. You know, they don't tend to stay maybe in the same industry. No job for life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And like, you know, if you do really want to try something, just try it. And, you know, I think a lot of people are kind of afraid, like, what if it doesn't work out or what will people think? But, you know, if it's really important to you and you want to do it, just do it, you know. We'll go to you, Michelle. Uh, yeah, uh, so for me, I never actually kind of thought of entrepreneurship as a career path that I wanted. I never sought after it. So I kind of fell into it when the idea for Tapstack came about. It was something I couldn't let go. Like, I had to kind of see if it could be done. Um, and from there, I kind of had come from a technical background. So I came from engineering. I had to go and learn then sales and marketing skills. And it's just something I find very interesting is that... Um, 
when we don't know what jobs are going to be out there in 10, 15 years' time, if you're involved in entrepreneurship, you can constantly be building up this toolbox of skills. Um, and I find that really interesting, like that you could be doing marketing one day, sales the next, then developing a tech product in the evening. So I just, I think it's a really interesting lifestyle and you get a lot of the lifestyle itself even. Yeah, a lot of variety there as well. James, what's the one bit of advice you want to give? I think do as much as you can in your 20s. Uh, like, that's one piece of advice I learned when I was 21 from a, a, market, a big marketing manager in Vodafone. She was like, do jobs in your 20s for three years at a time. And I actually ended up doing that, like moving around from agency. I think the more you do, the more knowledge you have. And then you can kind of narrow down as you get to your late 20s. I think that's the difference between our generation and our parents' generation. They tend to do, you know, one job for life. I think do as much as you can. And you just end up with a more colourful life. Very solid advice, and I think the one bit of advice I'd give to you all is make sure that if you're doing an interview that you bring uh, baked treats, uh, which is the one thing that Catherine did that you didn't. Uh, Catherine Boggy from Boutique Bake, which is available in Super Value and Tesco's and in Dunn's. Uh, James Kavanagh, who is available in your Snapchat and your Instagram. And Michelle Donovan at Tapstack. Is there a website people can go to? Uh, yeah, and the app is available on the Android and Apple. Okay. So have a look at it anyway, and uh, you'll be using it very soon as well, I suspect. Thank you all very much for joining us in Red Business. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Thank Ian. You. Thanks. Yeah, cake is really the easiest way to win me over. My thanks to all of my guests and to everyone at UCC Cubs. Don't forget to subscribe to Red Business on iTunes and we'll catch you on the next one. The Red Business Podcast with CompuB. Apple technology and solutions for your business. CompuB.com.